0: Following is a recording of an interview between Brothers of the Holy War and Ben Credle. Enjoy. Hey, so we got Ben Credle, ESPN 960 on the line with us. Hey, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule.
1: No problem, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: Yeah. Hey, so you're uh, probably wondering who the heck we are. Probably have heard of us. Brothers of the Holy Wars, little podcast we've started. This is going to be episode six with uh, the interview here with you. Um, we're kind of curious, before we jump into the football side of things, what's kind of your journey been on the media side of things? How have you gotten to where you are today with your podcast?
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, in, I guess I, I took some media stuff. I was I was a communications uh, I was in many of the communications classes. I did an emphasis in advertising, though, so I did some communications at, at BYU. Many of those classes, so um, PR and broadcasting and just general journalism. But I actually was going to get into copywriting, and uh, that didn't necessarily work out. Out a background in 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 sports and sports medicine as well. So when I got out of college, when I got when I graduated from BYU. I, uh, I I wanted to, uh, you know, find, you know, a, a niche, uh, and I, I got into the orthopedic sports medicine world, and I was working up at the University of Utah Orthopedic Center. I started a business uh, managing durable medical equipment uh, for a company here locally, so they contracted out with my company, Orthopedic Pros of Utah, and I was working at the University of Utah, and uh, 1280 at the time, Hans Olsen and John Lund, they had a morning show, and they wanted some former players to come in, and they interviewed me one time. I think they liked what I said, and they had had me start coming in for pre- and post-game shows for for just, you know, former player analytical side of things and commentary, and I think they Mm -hmm. liked me, um, and I did that for three years, and then took a year break, and then Larry H. Miller Corporation approached me, who had purchased... Uh, 1280 at the time, and 97.5 FM, they had had purchased, I think, with the the signal, the 960 Tower, and they wanted to have a BYU-based show, so they created uh, Cougar Sports with Alema Harrington and myself in in 2012, I believe, August 2012, and uh, that kind of started off into more of a a long-term media career. So um, media is just something that I do. I, I utilize it to add value to kind of the brand that that, that uh, I represent and the businesses that I run. And, right. uh, you know, that's kind of how I got into it, though. So
0: you're an entrepreneur at heart, it sounds like, and media kind of helps you. Yeah, I'm it.
1: kind of ADD. You'll notice if you ever if you ever listen to my show, I'm completely, like, erratic in my thinking. Like, I try to stay on topic. I'm a tangenter. I, I can't stop thinking I can't control my brain, and very entrepreneurial-minded. I always want a new project. I can't say no to a project. I can't say no to a, a capitalistic opportunity to maybe make a little bit of money and challenge myself. And uh, therefore, when I was given the opportunity to be a media member, I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's figure it out. Let's see if I can do this. And and luckily for me, I haven't gotten fired yet. So uh, you could fire me tomorrow. But, up to this point, they haven't fired me uh they haven't fired me yet, so we'll see if I can continue to do this and run my other companies.
0: Hey, fingers crossed. We enjoy listening to you, and you're talking about different business Oh, I appreciate that. I enjoyed the one yesterday uh about um working on your area down south, helping uh, you know get the blood flowing. <laughs> Look, aren't
1: we here on, on this earthly life to have experiences and gain experiences and understand all things? And so yeah. if you're not living your best life, uh, then and it's because you don't have enough blood flow in the nether regions, then why not get <laughs> a little bit of blood flow in the nether regions and see what happens and see if uh, it can enrich your life? That's all I'm saying.
0: That's right. If you can't have experiences, then you should go out and figure out how to have those experiences. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and but, I know I'm not saying, like, go completely hedonistic on the world. I'm not saying glutton, gluttony and hedonism is, is the way to go. But,
0: you know, you need to be
1: able to help your help meet, if you know oh what yeah. I mean. Oh, yeah. No,
0: I enjoyed it. And, uh, I think it's pretty good that you are bold about uh, even talking about it. A lot of people, you know, struggle about talking about bold things like that. So power to you, man. Nothing should be taboo. That's right. That's right. Um, switching gears a little bit. Uh, So you came in from, I believe, Arizona to BYU as a junior college transfer. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So how can you relate to, like, uh, Tyson, uh, who's coming in from South Carolina? Um, What's it like for someone coming from a different college at this point in their collegiate career? And what's some steps that he can do and other students like him to be successful at BYU?
1: Well, first, I mean, it was a culture shock for me, even though I grew up LDS, Caucasian, um, in a different state, albeit in Arizona, but it was a culture shock for me, completely different. I didn't grow up a BYU fan, um, but, uh, you know, it it was definitely a transition for me. Now, it's completely different for Tyson. It's even probably more of a culture shock for him, so... I can't necessarily completely relate to Tyson, nor would I feign to know what he's going through and how he's experiencing BYU. I know he's loving it, uh, but also there's their, there's a unique set of challenges in order to uh, assimilate and be a chameleon and, uh, and, and find your, your path through BYU. Luckily for him, it's only one year. Um, He's going to have the platform. He's going to experience football and his classwork. It's a business trip for him. So, Uh, it's a pretty cool and enriching experience as well, and it's going to make him a more well-rounded individual, student, athlete, uh, human being, and and grown man. So uh, it's hard for me to necessarily relate to a non-LDS African-American football player, but I did have a number of teammates that are what I deem double minorities that did really well at BYU and loved their experience at BYU, and I'm sure Tyson will as well, but uh, there's always a learning curve. There's always this learning process of how to navigate BYU, but when it's all said and done, I think they come away much more enriched and they they love the network that BYU provides. You look at Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is blue through and through, and he loved his BYU experience despite the adversities that he faced there. It's like, honestly, it's like, it's like asking Ben Criddle to go fit in in South Central LA. I mean that's what you're asking <laughs> these guys to right. do culturally, right. right? It's like how can Ben Crittle culturally fit in uh with those demographics in, in Compton? I, I probably don't. I, I I'm not. I'm gonna be a little bit different, even if they're nice and kind to me and try to welcome me, I'm still not going to understand and uh there's gonna be a learning curve for me.
0: Definitely. And you know one of the interview that I've listened to lately of yours was with his mother and it seemed like she really enjoyed the culture and maybe kind of helped nudge him that way. And once he's there, it seems like kind of the rest is history. He seems, he seems to enjoy it.
1: Yeah. I, I think the gatekeeper of any non LDS African-American uh, student athlete is going to be the mom more often than not, not always, but many times it is. And so the, the moral code at BYU, the academics at BYU, the football platform at BYU. You gotta get to the mama. And if mama is loving the message and she loves that opportunity for her, her young man, then um it's game over. Uh and, and mama will push that uh, her son over to uh, to BYU and, and and so it worked out. It's working out for for BYU Natasha and Tyson Williams right now. Uh, it's a perfect symbiotic relationship, and you hope it continues to be that way. And that Tyson can be kind of this flag bearer for grad transfers, four star, five star recruits that are maybe second or third on the depth chart at a skill position. And BYU can take advantage of that with their platform, uh, with their strength of schedule, uh, with uh, their their academics. And, um, and 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 make more of these grad transfers come to BYU or or influence them to come to BYU for a business trip for a year before they, they get drafted in the NFL. And if Tyson Williams does that, if he gets drafted in the NFL after having a 1,000-yard season, then there are more and more grad transfers that are going to want to come to BYU, and it will be a very
0: cool and competitive environment for BYU mm-hmm. to compete in. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Between being on ESPN, as often as you are, the teams that you're playing against, and then that fan base getting behind you, I think it's a great platform for people, like you said, that are playing tech and fiddle somewhere else in the nation that can see Tyson the last two weeks going to Tennessee, playing primetime against USC and doing as well as he has. I think you're dead on. We can maybe make a thing of this and become a transfer portal you.
1: Yeah, I think you're dead yeah on. bounce back, transfer portal you, whatever you want to call it, uh, let's do it, and uh, and hopefully – You can get a nice little pipeline, uh, kind of this future pipeline, and BYU can really take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, I'd love it. I'd absolutely love to see that. Um, So looking forward a little bit, we've got UW coming up. Uh, So I actually grew up in Washington State as a BYU fan. My partner in crime that does a podcast with me, he grew up a Ute fan down in uh, uh, Southern California, and we've gotten together and started this podcast as far as a BYU and a Ute fan talking about uh, each other's games together and you imagine the Holy War is always fun to talk about, but with BYU playing Washington this week, what do they need to do in order to have a chance to win like they have the last couple weeks?
1: There's a lot of just cliche sayings that you can talk about here, and typically that's what you're going to hear in any conversation, right? So, Win the trench warfare. Like don't turn the football over. Create turnovers.
0: Um, you know, <laughs> right. run
1: the football effectively. Have a balanced offense uh, to run to pass ratio. Like all those things are important, right? So, um, you know, defensively, you want to see. Um, I guess. I guess the debate is this, right? For this week, this is what I would say that the debate is, and no one really knows what to do in order to slow down uh Jacob Eason and this and this offense. Uh you try to look at what Cal did and can you try to replicate what Cal did? Um right. Cal brought a lot of pressure. Cal has a very good and dynamic defense. That's a well coached defense as we saw last year at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in a close yes. loss to to Cal um and uh that, that late pick that's kind of sealed the deal in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Yeah. So is BYU going to be able to put the pressure on like Cal did? I, I don't see any way in heck, right? Uh, I just don't yeah. see it happening. So I think you're, you're going to have to resort to what they've done the first three games of the season, and that's drop seven, drop eight, and hopefully you can get a little bit of pressure with your three-man front, and, and hopefully they don't double. Kyra Stonga, hopefully you get away with a few of them and you're able to put, on, put some pressure on Jacob Eason, maybe Jacob Eason, with that strong arm of his, uh, there were six drops in that cow game, six drops. Uh, so if the ball deflects up into the air, BYU one of their goals defensively is to capitalize on that. One of the things is you know pass breakups and, and, and get that ball up in the air and then come down with it. They work on it every day in individual group drills and in team drills they have a they have a very cognizant approach to that. They want and expect balls to be tipped. Balls to ricochet, balls to bounce, whether it's off wide receivers or the linebackers slash defensive backs, or at the line of scrimmage for that matter. You see Kyra Stonga had two pass breakups at the line of scrimmage. Uh, You can get hands in passing lanes. You can get hands in passing lanes, and it's an underrated aspect of the game of football defensively. Um, A pass breakup is not necessarily as good as a sack, but it can be if you are getting that ball up into the air and uh, you're having linebackers come down with the football. So my opinion is if you can get hands-on the football at the line of scrimmage, at the second level and at the third level, and you know if you have similar drop ball scenarios um, as, as Cal did, you don't necessarily have to put pressure on Jacob Eason in order for balls to be ricocheting up into the air or pass breakups to occur Um Dropping 8 gives you a competitive advantage, especially if they're not able to establish a, a a run game that is averaging more than 5 yards per carry. Even when they're averaging almost 5 yards per carry, which is a very good rushing performance from any Division One football team, right. most offensive coordinators know that the probabilities are not with them. Even if you have three, in my opinion, three in a nice core of running backs that you can substitute and keep fresh, it's hard to be patient in college football because so many of these young men are undisciplined and you need a chunk yardage play. You know that you got to take a shot. You know that you have to pull off a trick play because eventually young men make mistakes in college football. That's the biggest difference between professionals and amateurs is the mental and physical mistakes that happen in competitive environments, fumbles, interceptions, lack of execution. So, can you sustain execution for a prolonged period of time in college football? Typically not. And so you're playing the probabilities, and offense coordinators get antsy because they know that and they want to take their shot, and they want the opposition to make a mistake in coverage. So you saw that versus USC. Finally, you know, BYU got taken advantage of by because of a young defensive back that didn't have control of his eyes. And you get the chunk yarder's placed to the tight end up the uh, up the west sideline on a wheel route. So, uh,
0: right. right,
1: yeah, I'd I say drop eight and hope for the best.
0: Yeah, and you know that was one of the things we just talked about in our podcast. Um, we were doing some recordings before we talked to you. Uh, is how do you keep that balance of you, you still want to drop eight? Keep everything in front of you. Keep that home run ball from going over the top of you but at the same time being creative enough that you can get to them from time to time. I think that's the challenge ahead of them for a Saturday afternoon.
1: Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to scheme. It's it's very difficult to scheme pressure, even especially versus UW's offensive line. I mean, you have uh, – I think there's seven returning offensive starters, and uh, I, believe, I believe four of them, maybe five, have all seen starts in years prior. Uh, so this is a very good offensive line. In fact, that may be the strength of this offense is the offensive line. So to uh, to, to think that you're just going to be able to put pressure on Jacob Eason uh, with the personnel that BYU has, I, I just don't think it's probable. I just don't think right. – and it, if BYU plays probabilities, that's the only thing I care about. You can look up uh, hashtag play the probabilities. Okay, That's mine. Okay. Play the probabilities. And if BYU plays the probabilities, they don't go for it on fourth down – uh, from Washington's own 45, it's fourth and four. The probabilities are not in your favor. You punt it, you utilize the leg of Jake Oldroyd, who is one of the best punters in the country, and you pin right. him, and you pin him, and you cover it. And then the probability of UW actually sustaining a drive for 90 yards is extremely low in getting a score. A touchdown, not going to happen, maybe a field goal, but play the probabilities, and BYU will be in this game once again uh, with an opportunity to win the football game late in the game, and that's where the mental and physical fortitude, the maturity of BYU, that's where they should thrive, and you've seen that in OT. Kalani Sitake is 3-0 in his yep. coaching tenure at BYU in overtime, and they would have been 4-0, and mind you, 4-0, and had they just gone for an extra point in
0: 2016. <laughs> right. Uh, Got to bring that one up, right? But well, I think you're – I think you're dead on, and I love talking to you. I love listening to you, and I sure appreciate you and everything you do. Like you said, if we can keep it close, make it three weeks in a row where it's within shooting distance at the end of the game, their confidence has got to be so high right now after coming off two wins that close and that dramatic and that fun that they've got to at least think, hey, we've got a shot. We can do this.
1: Yeah, I mean, you just want to give yourself an opportunity in, in the in, in the fourth quarter. You want to give yourself an opportunity with six minutes left to sustain a drive and make plays and have your playmakers like Zach Wilson extend, keep eyes downfield, and throw a ball up to Gunnar Romney and come down with it in the red zone. And then call an empty, uh, empty set and go QB draw with your playmaker, Zach Wilson, and score a touchdown and go up. That's what you want. You just want an opportunity to win the football game late in the fourth quarter. If you do that – BYU has shown a propensity to win those football games, late drives. Uh, so many lessons were learned last year when Zach Wilson was a young, you know, young freshman uh, getting his first few starts, NIU, Boise State, not being able to capitalize on the one-yard line, not being able to capitalize on those final drives when he had those opportunities. Those sting, those scars are still there, and he remembers those. He's learned those lessons, and so... Now he knows in those situations how to make the right play, make the right decision, and come out victorious. But uh, I'm sure there's still adversity we had in the uh, in this schedule, uh, lots of formidable foes. But uh, Zach Wilson learned a lot of lessons, hard-earned lessons uh, last year.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh,
0: I know you said you'd give me 20, and we're just about there, and I appreciate you, bud. One last question for you. Any predictions from the score for Saturday?
1: Yeah, I mean every single one of these games. What I've predicted, uh, so I, uh, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Light. So at the beginning of the season, I said two and two. First four, BYU is going two and two. I felt confident that BYU could get a victory over two of these opponents. Right. So it very well could be just that. It's going to come down to once again a one possession game, in my opinion. If BYU plays with their probabilities, they're going to run the football effectively. If they're going to be balanced. I think Zach Wilson have an have an efficient game. Um, they, he may throw a pick in this game. Uh, they don't call it dbu for for any you know for 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 lack of uh, <laughs> uh of nfl talent cause they do they have nfl talent galore that's just what they do so um yeah he could throw a pick in this game and uh if that happens then byu probably loses right if he if he throws right. one pick then you know i feel like that is one thing that byu can't do in this game is throw a pick um and uh so that i got to be cognizant of that so i yeah, i i've said that these games are going to be like 24-21 you know 24 uh 27 it's going to be something like that and i'll pick BYU to win this game cuz it's at home and they found a way to win versus USC but this team this Utah team is not as good as Utah but they're better than USC so you saw what happened versus USC and what you needed to do in order to get a victory Uh, You've seen a linebacking core that is a little bit dinged up and injured. The defense – uh, is not as healthy as it needs to be in order to compete against u offense, which is the strength of their team. Um, they have a good defense, but I think the strength of their team is the offense. They're going to be able to move the football score points uh, versus BYU's defense most more than likely. Uh, but I'm going to say one score, of kind of uh, uh, one possession game, 24-21 BYU. BYU comes out victorious. Hopefully it's another OT game. I'm going to say OT and BYU wins Jake Oldroyd field goal after uh, hopefully uh, uh, stopping UW and OT, and they miss their field goal.
0: Hashtag, what are the games of prob- probabilities, I always said?
1: Yeah, play, play. the probabilities. Hashtag play the, play the probabilities. Get to, get to OT. Get to OT. Get on your short field. Get at home and uh, play the probabilities. If you do that, uh, if BYU's fan base becomes the 12th man, if they're yelling on first, second, third, and fourth down when the defense is on the football field. Do think you, you can win this game.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And it would be awesome to do a little rise and shout on the field again.
1: Yeah, let's let's storm the field, baby.
0: Yeah, I'll meet you down there. We'll be down there on the field. We'll do a chest bump or something down there.
1: <laughs> there you go, man. Let's celebrate.
0: Hey, sounds good to me. Yeah, uh, We're coming down. I actually live in Rexburg right now. We're coming down to watch this UW game. I haven't grown up in Washington my dad and I would go to the UW games uh, against BYU every time in our uh, BYU gear. We'd take the boats across the lake um, like you kind of see on TV, and we'd hop from boat to boat to boat to get out that stadium that's crazy loud. So I would just love to go and watch them uh, beat UW and Provo. That would just make my whole year. That would be awesome.
1: Yeah, channel your inner uh, cougar from 2008. Channel your inner, inner <laughs> animal, the Latter day Saint Jorgensen of 2008, and make a play.
0: There we go. There we go. We'll have luck. Or not luck. It was locked right through the ball up in the air.
1: Uh, Jake help. Locker. Yeah. Yeah. They and you need a end penalty end. and a big, <laughs> uh, big palm to block a PAT the, to, to beat UW. So uh, you need Let's a little, little bit of luck on your side, too.
0: W is a W. We'll take it, baby. <laughs>
1: Yes, sir. Are hey. you, uh, a W versus UW.
0: There we go. We'll take it. <laughs> hey, again, thanks for joining All us. All right. Uh, if if I get her up and running, um, I'll just uh, maybe put you on a little retweet if you want, or a tweet, so you kind of know. Yeah, yeah of course. To do that. Yeah. And I know you're busy. Yeah, yeah feel free to tag retweet. me, guys. Yeah, we'll do. And
1: no, keep my pleasure, keep
0: guys. Love uh, listening to you and keep it up.
1: All right, thanks, gentlemen, and good luck with your show. Uh, Love the idea, love the concept, uh, bring the two fan bases together. Nothing better than the rivalry. Uh, It allows for, in my opinion, you know, when you don't play this game, It's a disservice to the football players that signed up to play college football. Uh, And that means that, uh, you know, if you don't give them that opportunity to become a hero in a rivalry game, I I, I think there's a lack of enrichment in your college football experience. Uh, And uh, there's no. There's no game like the the Holy War. There's no game in college football like the Holy War. So uh, you're, you're you're doing a disservice to your team and your players if you take away that game. And it's a great game, despite it being uh, uh, so dominant by the other side, the University of Utah.
0: Right. And Andrew tends to remind me of that from time to time. So <laughs> of course, we'll get- as he should, as he should. Yep. Hey, again, thank you so much. Keep up the good work, and we're gonna keep listening to you. And if you ever have the inkling to to join us again, just Give us a
1: holler. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. Have a good night.
0: You too. Take
1: care. Bye. Bye.